0: Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Let's open up our Bibles to Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. And I'd like to pray again. Father... uh, I pray, Lord, that we can see clearly what you have in store for us. And Lord, I just ask that you will allow me to be able to um, bring forth your word in truth. Lord, I ask that I might decrease and you increase. Lord, I ask that you will move by your spirit so that we will respond to your word. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. As soon as I get there, I'm going to read it. Here we go. This is what it says. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Most of us are aware that there are individuals who love to read, but they like to look at the ending before they actually read the book. So they go to the end of the book, and they see what has happened and what the ending is before they actually read the book. And then they go to the beginning of the book, and and they read it. Sometimes on television, when we are looking at a, a, a show, they will show what has happened in the present, and then the whole show will go back to see what, how, how the present came about. So there's something that occurs in the present, and then they go back from how it started, maybe three months before or six months before, and then they follow the timeline up until whatever happened in the present. I love Scrooge, if you're familiar with the Christmas, well, the Christmas carol. In, that in the Christmas carol, what you see happening is, is Scrooge is just a, a mean guy. He doesn't like Christmas. He hates Christmas. Bah humbug, you know, you know some people like that. Um, I know I do. But anyway, when we look at Scrooge, we see what happens to him there is the spirit of Christmas past, the spirit of Christmas present, and the spirit of Christmas future. And so Scrooge goes on a little journey. So he, the the spirit of of Christmas past comes to visit him, and then he takes him and showed him what his past was. And then he gets, oh yeah, I remember that. And then he goes to Christmas present to see what's taking place in, in the nephew's house. And and, and then after that, there's the Christmas spirit showing him the future. And so in the future, he sees his, uh, his grave and then he's, get, he's all upset because he doesn't want to die yet. And so what do we see him doing? We, we actually see him begging, no, don't take me, don't take me yet. Why? Because he, it's showing him what's going to happen in the future and so Scrooge, Wants to he wants to live, and then they show him in the bed and he's living and he's happy and he's transformed. See, it's it's interesting because he can he's able to see, he was able to see what was gonna happen, but it didn't really happen. And that's how the story goes. But when we look at God, God has a, a storyline. And we're able to see what the storyline is. And last week when we were together, we were able to see how God created the heavens and the earth and what he did and how he created it. And he created it for men and for women to have relationship with the earth. And we saw that. So we need to just, in order to catch up to where we're at now, let's, let's take a quick synopsis. So when we actually go back and see what God did We're able to see that God created the heaven and the earth, and He put man and woman in it for them to bring glory to Him. That was His intent. And by the way, that this message title is um, "Make Bringing Made." Excuse me, "Made for His Glory," Part Two, because last week was Part One. So we see that he creates the man and the woman, and he created them to be in the heavens and the earth. In heaven, we're not talking about heaven. We're talking about the first heaven, which is the atmosphere that's around us, the sky. And then what does he do? He gave them everything that they needed for them to live and to enjoy what he had made. He had made the earth for them to enjoy it and everything in it. And then what did he do? It said that God and humankind was in fellowship with each other and was to be that way forever. So God was in relationship with Adam and Eve, and it was supposed to last. And so any children that they would have, they would also be in fellowship with God because it was a perfect situation. But then we know what happened, right? We see that the seventh day, which is the day of completion, rest, and blessing for God, he had made it, and he had declared that that's how it should be. So we see, we talked about it in length last week, how he created in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And then the seventh day was to be a memorial, a day of remembrance for what God had created. So he finished, ceasing, creating. But then, humankind fell out of relationship with God due to sin and now would suffer the consequences of sin, which was a physical death and a spiritual death. That's why people have to die, because of sin. And, and so what we see God doing, God actually starts to work, but he's working differently this time. He's no longer creating, but what God has to do now, he, he starts a redemptive process, and he does that And we are able to see the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And and so God begins the process. And then what do we see? Well, here's what we see. We see that God sets into motion, um, not his creative work, for that was completed, but his redemptive work to restore humankind to their original position with him. And so, then we have the Old Testament And what do we see there? We see that Jesus is now prophesied about, he's prophesied about in the Old Testament, and it's symbolized in people as well as the tabernacle and the temple. So we see that God begins to lay out a strategy, so to speak. He begins to let people know that here's the temple, here's the tabernacle before the temple, Here's some people, but what they were, they were known as types. So that you would see types of Christ in the Old Testament. So that when you would look at Joseph, or you would look at David, or you would look at some of the other characters in Scripture, they were actually living their lives in which they were demonstrating a part of who Christ was going to be. And then we see Christ in the tabernacle and in the temple, Everything that's in the tabernacle, everything that's in the temple, it represents Christ. Every every part of the temple, every part of the tabernacle. But then we see something else in the Old Testament, don't we? We see what's known, we see the appearance of the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord is actually Jesus. And Jesus is in his pre-incarnate form. And so when you see Jesus appearing in the Old Testament, he's not in flesh yet, but he has the appearance, he has a form of a person, and it's known as a Christophany. And so we see a Christophany in the Old Testament, and we see a Theophany in the Old Testament. So what they are, a Christophany is the appearance of Christ in his pre-incarnate form, and then it's also the appearance of God. Now, you can have the appearance of Christ, which will always be a theophany as well, because he's God. But you can have a a theophany without it being Christ, because now it represents God the Father. So a theophany can be either God the Father or Christ. But if you see a Christophany, it's the appearance of Christ in the Old Testament, and he's also a theophany. So that's what he does in the Old Testament. And then what do we see? We see Jesus leaves heaven and comes in the flesh, right? And we see his lineages. When we look in Luke, we're able to see that he comes through the line of Adam, which is, um, we see, uh, excuse me, actually David. And, and so what we see in Matthew is he comes through the line of a man, which is now Joseph, his father, which he had to have a legal father. So we see here two lineages. What we see is one, it represents his human line, and then we see the other, which represents his divine line. And so there's David's line, which he's a king and a priest. We see Jesus come through that line, and then we see Jesus come through the line all the way back to Adam, so that we know that he's the God-man. There's a word for the God-man. It's called hypostatic nature. So when you look at Jesus, you're actually looking at his hypostatic nature, which is he's 100% man and he's 100% God. And that's what we see when he comes in the New Testament. But then he doesn't just stay here, does he? We see that 33 years later, Jesus dies and he goes to the cross. And when he goes to the cross, that was his purpose. So he goes to the cross, he's then buried, he then resurrects, and then through his resurrection, we're able to have life. He stays here another 50 days, and then he leaves. He goes up to heaven, and what does he do? The word lets us know that he sits on a throne. And what's interesting is that when you see through some things in the New Testament, One of them is when you look at Stephen, Stephen, as he was being stoned, we see something happening. We see that Jesus stands up. So we know that he's sitting on the throne by virtue of knowing that he stands up when Stephen is stoned. We know that Jesus speaks because right here in Revelation, our verse that we're looking at, It says that he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. He's speaking to John. Now look at this. God, through revelation to Moses, allows us to be able to know what happens in the beginning. We know that how the beginning started. We know where we came from. We know how we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity by virtue of us coming through Adam, that it was infused in us, it, that, that it was we have it in us. We are born in it. So we see the beginning that's revealed to Moses through revelation. And what is revelation? Revelation is God communicating previously unknown truth. So nobody would know it unless God revealed it. So it's previously unknown truth. That's what revelation is. So God, through Moses, gave revelation. But then we see God doing something else, don't we? We see God in revelation giving us revelation, which is truth about what's to come. He's now revealing through John, who you know is the beloved one, right? We know about John and the relationship that he had with Jesus, Jesus, matter of fact, if, when you look at the cross, who was down there at the bottom of the cross beside the five women who were there? It was only one man, and that man was John. And so we see John at the bottom of the cross. We see John is the oldest disciple. We see John that is now on the island of Patmos, and being on the island of Patmos, God is giving him revelation and John is writing to let us know what the end's going to look like. And isn't it interesting that in verse number six, look at what it says. It says that not, he said to me, it is done. Who says to him? Jesus, I am the Alpha and the Omega, which is Greek, means the beginning and the end. What do we say? we see that Jesus is letting us know what's going to happen in the future. We already know what has happened in the past based upon what Genesis said last week. So we know where we came from. We know that God created the heaven and earth. We know that Jesus was the one that created it through Colossians chapter 1 and Ephesians. So we know that Jesus created. So we know that. We understand that. So now we're able to see that he was from the beginning. He always was. And he's the one who started everything in motion. But now we're able to see what the future holds because Jesus is the one who's going to end everything as we know it in this world. And so as we look at the scripture and we go back and we begin to look at verse 1, what do we see? This is what it says. And he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I love this next one. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Look at what God has given us. Information about the future for the believers. And he's letting us know through revelation that this is what's going to happen. So what we actually see here is that we now see the eternity of God. We're able to see that there's going to be a new heaven, that there's going to be a new earth. And when it says new heaven, it's not talking about the heaven where we are temporarily. So when people say that we're going to heaven, it's only a temporary place. Because our final place will be a new heaven and a new earth. But it's not heaven as referring to uh, where the presence of God is. It's heaven in the atmosphere. That's what it's talking about. So just like we have a heaven and earth here, and there's the first and the second and the third heaven. And so we know that the second heaven is the galaxy. The first heaven is when we look up here and we see the heavens, the stars and the moon, and we see all that. That's the heavens that it's talking about when there's the new heaven and the new earth. But we have some information here, don't we? And what, what is the information? The information that we have here is that this new heaven and this new earth that Jesus is going to create is going to be different. That the old one is going to pass away. The reason why the old one has to pass away is because there can't be any sin in the presence of God. And so when we look at what God has given us, he's letting us know what this eternity is going to look like, that this is going to be a new chapter, so to speak. It's going to be a new page of the book that God is writing. And the amazing thing about it, which is kind of difficult, The reason being is that he lets us know what's going to happen in chapter 20. And in chapter 20, it says that he's going to do something with with people who, who are unsaved. That those who are unsaved are going to be judged. Those who don't know Jesus, at that point, they won't have an opportunity to get to know him. It's going to be too late. And so Jesus actually lets us know, the the revelation of God lets us know in the future what is going to happen to people who don't know the Lord. And so there's a sadness here when we look at it, but for the believer, it's not going to be sad. And and so when we look at this, what does this actually mean? It, It means that there's going to be elimination of things. There won't be any more pollution. There won't be any more impurities. There won't be any more ungodliness and evil. There won't be suffering and pain. There won't be corruption and death. It's all going to be erased. It's going to be eliminated. It's going to be done away with because there's going to be a new day. There won't be any more impure government. There won't be corrupt religions. There won't be bad leaders. There won't be painful suffering. There won't be sin and temptation anymore. We won't have to deal with it. And so we're able to see that God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And we actually know the chronological period. Because it's going to be right after the thousand years. And we can see what happens with the thousand years. The millennial reign, that's what it's called. It's going to be downhill in this earth. And it's going to take place a thousand years before he creates a new heaven and a new earth. He's given us information. So we're able to see something interesting, too. He says in verse 1 that there's going to be no sea, there's, there's no sea. So in this new heaven, this this, this new earth that God creates, there won't be any water. We know that 75% of this planet is water, only 25% land. And we know that when we look at the weather, that weather is created because of the sea. If you don't have any water, you're not going to have any storms. That's why there's not going to be a sea in heaven, because there won't be a need, because everything will be perfect. And so the sea is removed. But also, if we actually look at verse 23, it lets us know that there's no sun and there's no moon. And so by implication, there's no stars. So the new heaven doesn't refer to the abode of God, it refers to the Earth's atmosphere, like I said earlier. That's how we know that. It's talking about planetary space. And so when we begin to look at what the dynamic of this, we don't get much more information. We don't see any landmarks. We're not given that. In this new heaven, it doesn't talk about vegetation like it did in the first one. It doesn't talk about color. It doesn't talk about form. So so what we see here is is that we are entering into a different dimension. And in fact there's a there's a, a major prophet who talks about this. His name is Isaiah. And so when we look in Isaiah, we can see him talking about this new heaven and this new earth in chapter 65 verse 17 in chapter 66 verse 22, and then we can actually see it in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 13. So there's no more disasters or destruction. There's no more thorns or thistles or unfertile or unproductive soil. There's no more hunger or thirst. There's no more diseases, decay, erosion, or death. Look at what God has in store for us. But then he says something else in verse, uh, verse 2. Look what it says. It, it's John's attention now turns somewhere else, and it's directed to a specific feature. And we can see what it is. It says that he saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. You, you got that one? Coming down out of heaven from God. So now there's a distinction between which heaven it is now. So the, there's a new Jerusalem in heaven that's there. Which possibly could indicate that's where we're going to be while we we're in heaven. I don't know because I, it, there's nothing that gives us that information. So, so there's this new Jerusalem, and, and it's called the Holy City. And, and, and notice how the description. It comes down to the new earth. And it's like a bride beautifully dressed for the husband. Now, now you know, when you go to a wedding, and that, that woman is coming down the aisle, and she's dressed in that gown, and that husband is there looking at her, and she looks awesome. He might not never see her look like that way again, but he sees her on that day. Brides are beautiful. And and so look at the descriptive language of of what he's saying. And and he's saying how this, this, it comes down, this holy city comes down. But if you notice something, and you're not going to know it unless you actually read it in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 8, the Jerusalem that's here now is described spiritually as Sodom or Egypt. It's a whole different description. I don't have time to get into all that, okay? But you see, this new Jerusalem—it starts to be talked about in Revelation chapter three, verse twelve, and it's referred to the city of my God. All right, so this new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, and what does it represent? See, it symbolizes something. It symbolizes the presence of God. But here's the difference the presence of god that's located in heaven now is going to be on earth in the new earth which indicates that those who are believers will be in the literal presence of god see that's what we have to look forward to and we're given that information through revelation and so god says listen This this is what I have for you now. Don't you think because when we look at what God has given us that that would want to make us live better Don't you think that I would want to totally give my life Lord whatever you want me to do I am sold out for you whatever you want me to be I will do it knowing that we have all this to come And he's not finished yet (laughs) And so he goes into verse 3 and 4, and when we look at what John is telling us in 3 and 4, just a little tidbit, it, 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 20 times the expression of a loud voice is used in Revelation. And so here's Jesus speaking, or no, not yet, Jesus speaks after verse 5, but here's John in the vision, and this is the fourth by the way that John is having on the island of Patmos when he's writing Revelation, he, he, he now gives I heard a loud voice from the throne but wait a minute, who's on the throne? so who's speaking loud? well we know Jesus is on the throne and Jesus is speaking loud so Jesus is a loud mouth like me now I feel better Cause I'm not the only one so I'm being like Jesus by being a loud mouth <laughs> but in all sincerity Jesus is speaking loud and, he, and, and this is the final revelation that, he, that he's given and, and so the, in this final revelation from heaven he's going to be saying something And and he's letting us know that God will dwell with with men and with the women and with humankind. And he's going to be there. It's going to be a new order. There's going to be a new intimacy with God because I'd be in the literal presence of God. Not just in his presence through the Holy Spirit. But now I'd be in a presence where I, I can actually see Jesus. So there's this new heaven, this new earth. And and so there's immediate fellowship. (coughs) And so it's it's going to be the capital city of eternity. And mind you, even though it's a symbol, it's a symbol of God's presence. But remember, in this new earth, God's presence is going to be everywhere. There's not going to be any sun. There's not going to be any moon. So where's the light coming from? The glory of God. The glory of God is going to be the light because they won't, we don't need this. See, this stuff is going to pass away. That's what it says in verse 1, right? It says, the first earth had passed away. Why? Because it's cursed. Why do you think we have so many storms? See, if we understand, it's no mother nature. People use that term. What's mother nature? Oh, yeah, it sounds okay. Okay. But it doesn't use that term scripturally so what do we know why do we have storms because when Adam and Eve fell into sin they were now separated from God they had no relationship with God and so what had happened because they had a relationship with the earth the earth now was cursed So the reason why we have to go through all these natural disasters is because the earth is cursed. Well, how do you know that? Because in Romans chapter one, what does it say about the earth? The earth is longing to be back in the fellowship with God. So he has to create a new heaven and a new earth. And remember too, no, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. I I get to that point. So, So now it's the presence of God. All right. And so when we see that until a man or a woman actually allows God to fill their hearts. They don't have they don't can't look forward to this. You only have this because you're saved. And so there's a lack of purpose. There's a lack of meaning. There's a lack of significance, there's emptiness, there's questioning, there's wondering about life, there's there's routineness, there's dullness, there's feeling drained, there's insecurity, there's fear, there's failure. See, that's what the unbeliever goes through, and we still struggle with that ourselves, but we're on the other side. I might feel that way, but guess what? I am in Christ. Therefore, I am secure, sealed by the Holy Spirit. So even though my feelings tell me that I'm not really there because I don't live, I can't live in my feelings, I have to live in Christ because that gives me security, not my feelings. But an unbeliever live in their feelings because guess what? They don't have Christ. And so God then, we then get some more information, right? We're in his presence, we know that. But then it says in in verse 4, heaven and earth, there's this new earth, so everything is perfected, everything. Life will be perfected. Our bodies will be different because our bodies will be like Jesus. Remember the new body that he got when he resurrected? He was able to walk through walls? Because remember it says that he walked through the wall and he showed up in the... Inside the room, that was Jesus' body. He that was his new body. And people recognized him. So we do know that with this new body, then we'd be able to recognize one another. But look at what it says in verse four. This is awesome. It says this. It says, He will wipe every tear. From their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away all right let me tell you what this means ready for this one there will be no more death no more aging murder killing or war No more miscarriages or dying children. No more dying mothers or dying fathers. No more parents who have passed on. No more funerals or cemeteries or burial grounds. Everyone will have a spiritual body, a body that will be perfected, made incorruptible and immortal, perfect in strength and honor. There will be no death in the new heaven and earth. God will wipe away all the tears of death. There will be no more sorrow. No more brokenness. No more disappointment, regret, guilt, failure, weaknesses, inferiority, inadequacy, or incapability. No more homelessness, starvation, hunger, or thirst. There will be nothing to make us sorrowful. We will be capable and able, successful and fruitful, confident, and secure. There will never be a regret or failure to make us sorrowful. We will be perfected. We will be able to live and serve to the fullest degree without any shortcoming whatsoever God will wipe away all the tears of sorrow in the new heaven and earth there will be no more crying no more disappointment arguing fussing cussing divisiveness drugs evil immorality separation bitterness burdens or heartache no more bad things that cut the heart and cause the heart eyes to cry every life will be perfected everyone will be perfected and lives together in love joy in peace, never causing hurt to another person. God will wipe away all tears of crying. There will be no more pain, no more diseases, accidents, distress, pressure, abuse, beatings, fightings, afflictions, or agony. No more emotional or physical pain. No more of anything that causes pain of any kind. God will wipe away tears and pain. We have to look forward to. Not to worry about it no more. New heaven and a new earth. We don't have to worry about none of that. What the scripture says: the former things are passed away. So when the corruptible shall have put in on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be then shall be brought to pass the saying that, a, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. First Corinthians 15, 54. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall be shall he take away from off. All the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. Isaiah 25, 8. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord say so. The redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, God's city. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Isaiah 51, 11. Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall the moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. Isaiah 16, 20. And here's the last one. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Isaiah 65:19. This is Isaiah giving us information in the Old Testament long before Revelation because God is revealing what's going to happen. If God has done this in the beginning, guaranteed he's going to do this at the end. And finally, God assures us of this perfection. There's three assurances here. The first one is God himself assures us, doesn't he? Isn't it God speaking from the throne in verse number five? (laughs) Isn't that Jesus speaking? He said he's going to make everything new and he's the beginning and the end. He's lying? I don't think so. But then there's God's word. Look who's speaking it. God himself is speaking it. Jesus is speaking it. Our Creator is speaking it. It's going to happen. And then there's one more assurance that we have. God's sovereignty assures it. God already has shown us all his power. God shows us his power in our life as we live now. Why, why would we not believe what, he's going to, what he says he's going to do in the future? God has willed it. That's what we have to look forward to. He's going to give us a new heaven and a new earth, and we will forever be in his presence. Let's pray. God, what an awesome message that you have for us. God, we just need to receive it and believe it. God, let... Let these things that we've heard just penetrate our hearts. Let us be excited about what is to come. Let us be excited about knowing that we, at some point in time, that we're going to actually be in your presence and we won't have to deal with all this stuff anymore. But Lord, right now we do. And so that's why we know we have your Holy Spirit within our lives. Let us allow your Spirit to take us there. Because we have your presence within us through your Spirit. Let us trust him with our lives. Just We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at RoxboroughChurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.